today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Great news for the two Michaels, if you could call it that. Uh, the United States has uh, called on China to immediately release two detained uh, Canadians. Here's a report from Abigail Beeman. I have no words to explain how remarkable he has been, how calm he has been, how stable and focused he has been. Michael Kovrig's wife didn't sleep last night or much the past few days. China's conviction rate tops 99%, and it's hard to try and prepare for a guilty verdict. Our focus must remain on uh, finding a solution, on finding a way to bring them home. And I think that solution all along has been a diplomatic one. And now more than ever, we simply need to get on with it. It has been way too long. All right, that is uh, Michael Kovrig's wife uh, talking about what it has been like for their family uh, while the two Michaels have been in uh, detention. Let's bring in Gordon Holden, director of the China Institute, professor of political science, University of Alberta, and is with us now. Gordon, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. I am well. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. So let's chat about uh, this latest coming out of the United States uh, that they have uh, immediately uh, are called for China to immediately release uh, the two uh, detained Canadians. This came in the form of a tweet. What can you tell us? Well, I think it's always important to have U.S. support. I mean, it's a superpower. Its net power still exceeds that of China. Uh, but this is an issue which the Chinese are deeply dug in. And I have a sense that it will be by discussions behind closed doors, uh, not by tweets or, or news conferences, that the issue gets solved and the Michaels come home. Uh, right now, it is a um, megaphone war um, China on both sides. China uses Twitter, even though it's not allowed for its own people. But they have been putting out today some very tough tweets, not on the Michaels, but on a range of other issues. So to me, this is a... Um, launching verbal missiles, if I use that term, um, from the United States to China and then China back again. Um, it's, it does show at least strong support for the, for the case of the two Michaels. That's a good thing. But if you ask me, does it mean that their release is imminent? I would say no. Does China, uh, did China realize the impact this would have by detaining, by taking these two uh, Michaels hostage? I can't know what's in their heads. My guess is not, uh, that they didn't. And I think one answer to that is, although they have arrested people on flimsy grounds in the past, um, what is notable to me is they could have arrested more. I mean, many people were nervous about going to China, uh, business people, other travelers, not just Canadians. Some American companies began to counsel their, their senior executives not to go to China. Uh, but China hasn't followed up. And that tells me that they may, and I can't guarantee this, of course, they may realize it hasn't worked out the way they hoped. It's a big black eye for China. But on the other hand, they're stubborn and they're powerful and they don't want to back down. And I don't think they will until Hmong is, is dealt with. What will this storyline be like by the time the Olympics arrive? Because this is going to focus even more world attention on these issues. It will be a dilemma, but I would note that in 2008, um, maybe I have the problem of background history here, but 2008, China's human rights record was hardly first class. And there were other issues. I mean, the Uyghurs were already under pressure. Tibet, Tibetans were in a difficult situation. 
There were some questions in Hong Kong about pressure on Hong Kong, not to the same degree as it has been in 2019-2020, mind you. Um, and nations went to, to China. The Olympics was declared a success, and, and that is, that's the reality. So I think unless things deteriorate much further, um, and assuming, of course, COVID has let it loose out of its grip, uh, Japan just said they're not having fans come to the uh, 2021 Summer Games, uh, but if things don't change dramatically, I think you'll still find most winter athletes going to Beijing, um, and that might include Canada. The Canadian Olympic Committee hasn't said no. Of course, if things deteriorate, then all bets are off, and we could have a situation where the Winter Olympics are either canceled or moved. But we're far from that right now, in my opinion. How would things deteriorate more than what they are in order to make that happen? I mean, we've already seen the situation with the two Michaels. Canadians are furious. So what would have to get worse for, for, for this to, to say, all right, that's it, this is the last straw, over and above the two Michaels? Well, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, in the case of, of the Soviets, uh, they, they invaded Afghanistan, and that led Western nations, not all, but most Western nations, do not attend. I mean, so I think... China invades Taiwan. That would certainly do it, um, without a doubt, in my opinion. Um, but um, arresting a few more people, being continuing to be super harsh on the Uyghurs and the Tibetans, I don't think that will do it. And uh, one may be unhappy at that. Uh, but then not many countries bid for the Winter Games. It's very expensive. Calgary pulled out uh, on the basis of cost. I think the Norwegians also pulled out. It could have been wrong. It could have been Sweden's, the Swedes. But I, I know people say, well, all those things, and we still go. But um, I, that's, you're asking for my prediction, not what I think is is the, the way the world ought to be. I try hard to look at the way the world is. And right now, I would say China is strong. It's powerful. It has a lot of backers. And um, uh, I think things will things will roll along. If China gets out of hand completely, military invasion, mass arrests, uh, then that changes the equation. But for now, I don't see any support internationally for boycotting the Olympics. I mean, in terms of government, even the U.S. government has not made that that um, uh, that, that threat. Uh, we'll see. But so far, um, I think the Olympics will be held there, and uh, irrespective of the human rights abuses and irrespective of the fate of our two michaels will china play nice until the games to to keep the waters calm so that so people don't bail well i think they don't look for trouble they just basically want to do what they want to do um will they play nice i mean they haven't played nice in terms of the michaels or the uyghurs so far Uh, they're not going to back down on either one i think they might play nice in the sense of not wanting to rock the boat in the, in the immediate run-up to the Olympics. But will that mean releasing, releasing political prisoners, um, such as our two Michaels? Uh, I don't think so. So I think when you say nice, it depends how one defines that. I think they'll, they may hold back from doing outrageous things further than what they've done, but I, I don't see a softer, gentler voice coming out of, of Beijing because of the Olympics. Uh, I think they gauge they have a sense of their own strength now. They're moving to become the largest economy on earth at a fairly steady pace, accelerated by COVID. Uh, I don't see a, a pullback. 
You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Do the Chinese care about what the United States said? That they'd ask, that they have asked for the, the two Michaels to be immediately released. How? What would China's reaction to the U.S. be? Well, they'll take note of it. Um, they're annoyed by it because they don't like countries um, ganging up. And of course, from the Chinese perspective, this is not my perspective. From the Chinese perspective. You, the Americans, caused the arrest of, of, of Hmong. Uh, we, this is a thinking, perhaps. We then retaliated by detaining two Michaels. Now you complain about the Michaels. Well, if you hadn't uh, detained Hmong, none of this would have happened. I suspect that's probably their logic. Um, so none of that would lead me to think that because the Americans complained publicly, that something will be done. Now, if the Americans were negotiating behind closed doors on the Michaels and were prepared to perhaps make some yield, some ground on Hmong, that would be a different story. But that's not what we're talking about. Right now, we're still at that sort of megaphone diplomacy stage, and I find that generally doesn't lead to um, quick results. It appears, though, that the whole Uyghur issue is gaining steam. It seems that more and more people are jumping on board and and criticizing China for this. I mean, is this going away? It's not going to go away. Um, But um, the countries that have jumped on board in terms of the... um, Sanctions on 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 uh, officials in Xinjiang. Those are the countries of Western Europe, United States, Australia, etc. Um, the what is puzzling to me and a bit disheartening is that from the um, Muslim majority countries, there has not been an outcry. Um, and in fact, there's a group of of um, Muslim majority countries recently that praised Chinese actions. And why would that be? Xinjiang. Well, I think it's one of two things. Either it's Chinese pressure or it's a, a desire not to offend a powerful trading partner. And it could be a combination of both. Um, some of them may be very cynical and don't really care if it's a benefit for them. But I found that striking, that we in the West um, are more concerned about the Uyghur Muslims than are the Muslim-majority countries. And uh, I could be wrong, but I've not seen a strong public statement from recently from any of those countries, including Turkey. And these people, the Uyghurs are ethnically speak a, a variety. Why doesn't China point? Well, how come China's not using that and pointing that out? Well, they do. In fact, you, they did publicize the fact that the um, a group of, of Muslim countries, I forget how many, it was a large number, um, had spoken out in favor of Chinese policies. And China has used that propaganda. Of course, it's not all that convincing, but it is, the reality is, where are their voices? We don't hear them. It makes it harder for for other countries, non-Muslim countries, non-Muslim majority countries, to be active on the file when those who you'd think would have the greatest concern uh, are not expressing any concern. Hmm. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the sanctions. Uh, many have been asking for these for a while. Canada has hit Chinese officials with sanctions. Other countries have followed suit. What can you tell us? Um, well, I think the sanctions are, are significant, and they are a departure. And we hadn't sanctioned individual Chinese officials before. It's good that we're doing so in good company. It's always better uh, in diplomacy, in my view, if you're not isolated, if you're not alone, if you have others with you. It makes it much harder for your target to strike back. The fact that the Americans are there and uh, our European allies, that's important. Uh, but if one thinks... And again, this is what you wish happened, and what happens is not the same thing. Mm. Uh, I think it'll it, it angered the Chinese. The odds that they're going to replace those officials or punish them in any way are, are is a flat zero. 
Um, it's they are very sensitive to criticism, and they tend to double down when criticized publicly. And I don't think this case will be different. They won't want it to extend to a far broader swath of countries. But as I noted earlier, many, many countries don't publicly criticize China for one reason or the other. It's basically something in the West. Now, it's significant. The EU is, if you look at it collectively, is the largest economy on Earth. Um, it matters. The U.S. matters. We're a small but important country. Collectively, that's a good chunk of the world's trade and, and business. But so far, I don't see any rush to, to towards change. Now, one tricky thing that's coming up is the EU signed in December, over the objections of the incoming Biden administration, a trade and investment treaty with China. And I think it hasn't yet been ratified. These sorts of things, the case of the Michaels, the case of of the Uyghurs uh, brings um, uh, a little bit more doubt into that ratification process because in the ratification process you have to involve parliaments and they're hopefully attuned with their citizens. So they may have created a, a snare for themselves by some of these actions. I mean, for each action there is a, a counteraction sometimes, but it's limited to the countries of Western Europe. And as the Chinese pointed out today in a tweet, uh, these countries add up to about 11% of the world's population. China alone is 20. So, and their friends uh, add, add a, far, a far larger percentage of the world's population. So right now, I think they're prepared to uh, they have a bit between the teeth, and they're not going to back down. Uh, you said uh, a little earlier, and, and I have that jotted down, I can't see anything changing in this world. You consider uh, what has happened with Hong Kong over the last little bit, the Uyghurs, the two Michaels, uh, the Huawei situation, 5G, and and the Huawei CFO, uh, the handling of COVID-19. It doesn't seem that these this relationship between China and the rest of the free world is going to change anytime soon. I think, in fact, if it does change, it may shift to the further to the negative and the yeah. bigger concerns. And these are terrible, of course, the two Michaels, the Uyghurs situation as well. But the bigger issues is questions of war and peace. And those are the ones that trouble me in the longer run. Taiwan, South China Sea, um, U.S.-China rivalry, uh, even military rivalry. That's the rivalry. That's the one that is, is the more dangerous card in play. Uh, that one... I think will take a long time to play out, and I can't really I have no magic ball to tell me what how that ends. But to me, I'd argue the downside risks are greater and, and more prominent than the chances of a significant improvement. Many have said China is on a roll here. They are trying to be to dominate the world economically and such. Do we have any reason to believe that they'll just keep going until they get their goal? And, you know, we'll just stand there while we let them beat us at our own game? I think that's the, um, that's the most likely scenario. As most, my general view of life is the best prediction of future behavior is past behavior, unless some other corrective measure comes in. Um, I have to make a, an apology here. I have to sign off because I have another no problem. call coming in. No, we're, listen, it's no, always a pleasure to talk to you. No, we are plumb out of time anyway, so great timing. Uh, thank you so much, Gordon. Gordon thank Holden you. with us, uh, Director of the China Institute, Professor of Political Science, University of Alberta. Thank you, Gordon. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.